What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Let's go. Hello. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Megan. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for jumping on and doing this. Oh, yeah, this is great. You know, it's so funny because we booked this like a pretty long time ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like we got this thing going. Let's do this. This is going to be great. Let's do this. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. Let's start talking about your journey and how you came into this space. You know, where where did you start and how did you get to where you are right now? So my journey actually started in a 1984 GMC Vandura. <laughs> it is this old school van with, you know, the wheel on the back. It's got a little pop top roof, a little kitchenette in it. And for years being with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. So this story has a happy ending. <laughs> we were always dreaming of taking this road trip all around North America. I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. And um, yeah, we wanted to check out all the national parks. We wanted to national forests, so many cool state parks too. And in Canada as well, lots of amazing natural wonders to see. Really into rock climbing, check out cool cities, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. We came up with this plan. We saved our money. And there came a day where we quit our jobs and hopped into the van and set sail. And the the motive behind this trip was to, for me, I was pretty tired of my job. I was working at a big corporation as a project manager, wasn't too thrilled with the direction of my career, was looking for that break that I could rethink about what it is that I wanted to do with my life. So escaping the nine to five, big check mark love rock climbing and national parks check mark and also there was this this woman in my life this woman who i'd lived with for a year and although we were living together for a year we were also spending 40 plus hours a week away from each other so i'm asking questions like is this really the person i'm going to be spending time with so we set off on this trip and i remember we were so excited we left at night as soon as the last of the fixes were done my, we were staying with my mom at the time. She even begged us to stay just one more night, leave in the morning when we're fresh. And we're like, no, we gotta <laughs> go. This is the time. No, no. And that excitement and peace lasted for about three days. Because when you put two full-size adults in a space smaller than a jail cell, and you know, you get it up, up into each other's personal space, right? And it was really shocking to me because we had a really strong relationship. Definitely no fighting minimal, minimal amount of bickering. We really got along well. And all of a sudden, within these three days, it just seemed to pop up way more often. And I got really concerned and started questioning like, oh my God, is this what it's going to be like for the next year? And it was really concerning. That's a long year. Yeah. 
And it came to in this moment where we were in the van and we were cooking some dinner. And I was sitting there chopping some vegetables. She was over the stove minding that. And I said, hey, Laura, can you pass me that potato? And she looked at me and she snapped. She said, I'm doing something right now. Can't you see? Now, this had happened a few times. This wasn't the first time. The times that happened before, I can imagine that my reaction was some kind of defensiveness, like yeesh, or just like avoiding the conflict or whatever it is, just being like, whoa, like, you know, she's dealing with something or whatever it is. But this time I was like, what is going on? And she also was like, wow, that was so weird. Why did I snap like that? And so we had this moment where both of us were realizing that this didn't really make a lot of sense. And over dinner, we were able to put our heads together and take a look at what exactly happened. And what we realized was when I said, can you pass me that potato? I I don't know if it was a potato, but I asked if she could pass me something. What she heard was based on her frame of reference. And her frame of reference is coming from a home with her and her mom, and that's it. And the name of the game was wait your turn, be patient. And so when I said, can you pass me that potato? She heard, stop what you're doing and pass me that potato right now. Now, when I Mm -hmm. said pass me that potato, my frame of reference is a household with a single mom and three kids. And if you don't say what you want really loud and clear for everyone to hear, you're probably not going to get it. So when I said pass me that potato, what I was really trying to say was, oh yeah, whenever you get a chance, pass me that potato. Mm -hmm. That's not what I said. What was said was, can you pass me that potato? And in recognizing that, we came up with a plan. We came up with this plan that I would make an effort to be clear about the specificity of how urgent this thing was. And I would add in, and usually it wasn't urgent. I mean, I was living in a van. So I would say (laughs) things like, when you have a moment, when you have a moment, which is a habit that I have to this day. And she partnered with me. She would cut me some slack. She She would clarify. She would ask me, you know, is this urgent or do you need this right now or later? And lo and behold, the problem disappeared. And so I thought to myself, wow, this communication stuff, this is cool. I never thought about this. And so I started reading and researching and studying. And most importantly, I put a plan in place to practice. I was doing deliberate practice with my, with my, my partner, Laura, Uh, hurt her feelings way too many times, bless her, practicing it with people I met. I was that weirdo at the party sometimes. I didn't care. I was just on a mission to see what worked and what didn't work. And when I came out of this year-long trip, I had this incredible relationship with this woman. And I noticed that that had a ripple effect on my relationships with my family and with my friends. And I knew that I had to share what I had learned on this journey I had gone through. And so that's when I really started diving into this world of communication from more of a training and also since then developed into a coaching perspective as well and have really specialized in conflict these really difficult conversations. Um, Because as if communication is not hard enough, I mean, even you and I, you know, you can prepare for this conversation as much as possible, but you have no idea how this conversation is going to go. It is this amazing, real-time, dynamic, interactive phenomenon that's happening. Mm -hmm. And that's communication. We do that all the time, every day. And on top of that, You have this thing called conflict, this phenomenon that everyone deals with that is so challenging and so difficult. And, uh, you know, and few of us know how to really deal with it. So add that on top of things. And I just think that that's super fascinating. So that's kind of where I've really honed in. And lo and behold, the more I spent understanding conflict and practicing how to manage it in my own life, the better I got at it. And the more peace I've found, 
the more ease I found. And I've also found that I'm more confident than ever in any social situation because I know that I can handle whatever comes my way. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of the story of how I got to where I am today. And I love that you had mentioned, you know, that we all have these underlying baggage, for lack of a better term, of like where I resonated with Laura because I was a single uh, single kid with a single mom and, you know, priorities were priorities. And so that it's really interesting to me that you were able to recognize that these um, inherent biases, I guess, were the thing that were driving the emotions behind a potato, you know, and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs come with their own baggage and their own expectations or their, you know, familial expectations of them or societal expectations of them. And so it's hard not to have a chip on your shoulder and add to that customer service or social media marketing or any kind of marketing or any kind of talk that you have to have with a customer. Um, I can you know, in my own experience, I've had, I've had to like take a step back and say, okay, I know they don't mean to, but I'm really having issues here. So I have to work out my own before I can answer this. And so, yeah, when you and um, helping people through this, like, how do you usually suggest people? Where do they start? We start by understanding the nature of conflict. We start by understanding that conflict is ultimately an inevitable, totally normal and natural part of life. We all experience conflict, don't we? I mean, I, I, I have experienced conflict. I got some conflicts going on now in my life, whether it's internal or within a relationship or more systematic, there's conflict happening. And I guarantee you, there is conflict ahead of me as well. And imagine that that's the same for you. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I bet you our listeners as well. Sorry? Unless I'm dead, then conflict's dead. That's that's how you can tell when conflict ends, is when you (laughs) don't have a pulse anymore. (laughs) But until then, you can probably expect it in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So knowing that, why would we not take it more seriously to learn tools to better manage these situations that are highly unpleasant and often result in a lack of productivity? And from that point, when you accept that, okay, this is going to happen, what can I do about it? This gives you access to actually being proactive to taking on this conflict in your life. One gets to start asking questions like, how do I react when it comes to conflicts? What are my default reactions? Who in particular am I really reactive around? How have I been being with those kind of people? with sorry with that person and then at a broader picture how do i want to show up in terms of those conflicts and knowing where i am now and where i want to get to what tools do i need and what practices do i need to put in place in order to get to where i want to go and when you can really come up with that roadmap and get clear on where you're at now and where you want to go mm-hmm. i mean it's just like running a business right all it is is you get the right skills the right people around you And you just start taking action. You start building those practices to get you to where you want to go. And what's great about these practices is that they they last a lifetime. Once you create new habits around how you're handling conflicts, I mean, you get to take that with you for the rest of your life. 
And what an amazing skill. Imagine being able to go through life no matter what, you can manage that conflict. You know, deep down, you can manage that conflict. I don't know about you, but I think that that's absolutely amazing. I so, think that, that sounds yeah. so healthy. Yeah, yeah. It's There's there's a balance to it, right? Mm-hmm. There's an understanding um, and there's like a serenity with that as well. So yeah, I would definitely say that is the start. That is the place to start. It almost starts with uh, a willingness to understand and ground ourselves in the reality of what's so of this is what's so is I have conflict in my life and I want to change it. I want to change how I react in those conflicts and what can I do about it? So when, when do you start, I guess, when do you notice that other people are in need of some help dealing with conflict? What are like, what are the triggers that you see that people should recognize? So I want to get some clarification on this question. Because the thing is, is I don't go around helping people with their conflict unless there's a specific request of, hey, I want some help with this conflict. And I usually end up working with those people. That's kind of how that works, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to go around giving people unsolicited feedback. That's not what I'm interested. So I want to just clarify that maybe this question is more oriented toward assuming that someone does come up to me and they are ready to take that on. What does that kind of step look like? Is that kind of what it is that you were going for? Yeah, I guess that it's part one of a two-part question, which is when do when do people start coming to you for help? So the the first In my part experience, of it is, yeah. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Okay. In my experience, it first starts when someone notices that they want to make a change, kind of like what I mentioned. And typically it's a very particular relationship that they have in mind. It could be something in the workplace or a a particular family member who is who they perceive as very difficult, or they are really committed to actually making a change with. I have one client in particular I'm working with. Um, he came to me because he notices that his relationship with his dad is something he wants to work on. He know he he's he's aware enough that he's realized I'm quite reactive with my dad. How do I take this relationship to the next level? And so there are varying circumstances, but it really does start with the possibility that I want to take this on and that I can make a change and make an impact in my life. That's when I mostly see people come and it's usually in regards to a situation that they have in mind, like a clear goal that they have. So how do people recognize that within themselves and when do they start coming to you for help? I can't say I know for sure when they recognize that within themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very personal journey, I think, um, to recognize that. And I think everyone comes from a different place and a different time. Um, everyone has different needs. Um, so there's, I don't think that there's a clear place where you're like, you have now arrived at this station, and this means you're ready to take on your conflict skills. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that anyone can take on at any time, because it really is a life skill, right? And admittedly, I'll start working with a client and it might be around conflict and it evolves to many other things Mm because conflict is just embedded everywhere. We can talk, we're talking a lot about conflict in relationships with other people, but there's much more. I mean, there's internal conflicts. Mm -hmm. Internal conflicts are driven primarily by conflicting values. When I'm committed as someone who is, say, who cares about the environment and I'm really wanting to go out and eat a meat dish. That's a conflict right there. That's an internal conflict that I want to make sure that I sort out. Like I'm not being in integrity with my word that I'm this environmentalist that is out now 
eating meat that I know is harmful to the environment. So I'd say that everyone comes from a different place. There's no sure sign for someone ready to deal with this, but someone who does see the possibility of actually using these skills to enhance their life in so, so many ways, I'd say, giddy up, you're ready. Well, I want to talk more about the internal conflicts, especially for entrepreneurs who, uh, the one that I thought of when you mentioned environmentalism is, you know, there's a lot of, I used to run a soap company and there's a lot of ingredients that are palm-based, palm oil, palm kernel oil. And you you have these businesses and these business owners who they want to market their products as ethically sourced or environmentally sound, vegan, things like that. But then they have this other asterisk, I guess, for, you know, like uh, the devil, you know, or uh, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it sounds like you know, when you were running your soap company, it sounds like you were kind of conflicted with this just drive of doing good versus making money. Yes, absolutely. And so that's the perfect way to put it. So when entrepreneurs are, I guess I'm more interested in when entrepreneurs don't recognize that and they have mindset blocks or it starts to affect them without realizing it. Like, how do you suggest people handle something like that? That's a really great question. And it's actually something very pivotal in terms of what I do with my coaching. It is really getting clear on what the person's values are. It's funny how I was reading often your, your we don't survey. take the time to really check that out. Sorry, go ahead, please. I think there's a little bit of a lag. Oh, no, I, 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 saw, I saw you seeing me. I was reading your, um, I'm not distracted. I was reading your, I was trying to figure out what the lead magnet you said you wanted to talk about was. I'm sorry. Okay, no problem. Let me, I'm going to start that answer again. Does that work? Please do. Yeah. So one of the first things I actually do with my clients is I, I we do take a look at our values um, because that is super important. Understanding our values, understanding what's most important to us. And values are these intangible principles that we live by. Making money is not a value, but there might be something behind that that brings you great joy and aliveness. And that is often um, a huge um, remover of blocks is understanding our value and what's most important to us. Because if, you know, taking a step back, this I'm, I feel like I'm going in a circle here, but one, ma- one major thing that I love talking about is what does success look like? And for me, success in business and in life is aligning myself as closely as possible to my values. You know, being that highest version of myself, that is success. And so I know that some of my top values are personal growth and integrity and connection and adventure and fairness. And so when I align myself and my life and my actions and everything that I do as much as possible to that, I am deeply satisfied and fulfilled. Now, when it comes to us running our businesses, it's not a surprise that sometimes we do become conflicted. We have values, for example, of growth. So we want to grow our business. We want to see that progress, that motivation. It's really exciting. And yet we have these other values of ours, like nature, like equality. And so naturally there is a conflict because we love being in integrity with our values. And I don't know what the answer is for each individual because it's really based on what are your values? What is the situation? So each of our listeners, they're going to know in that moment, if someone asks them that question, 
um, they're going to know the answer. And what's a really powerful tool is actually knowing what their top values are, mm -hmm. because then it's kind of like some guideposts. I know that if I'm not honoring my highest values and there's this other kind of other one that's not as important to me that's sneaking in there, it's naturally going to leave me less satisfied in the long run. And so that's a great tool that I use. And I would encourage our listeners as well to use that as a guide for how it is that they want to better make those decisions and have those tough conversations around their business. So what is the, um, the actionable thing for that? Do you recommend like journaling that? Or do you think it's like a, a daily meditation, both, something else? Any time you take aside to do that kind of reflection is going to be worthwhile. And there are a number of ways you can do that. Just like you said, there is journaling, there is a meditation. And I encourage all my clients and I'm going to encourage you and our listeners, just do the practice that works for you. Mm. Just try it all out. Try it for a week. Try the other thing for a week. You don't like it. Do it for two weeks. You don't like it. Switch again. There's so many practices out there. There's no reason to not be at least taking on some sort of practice to find out what's important to you, to keep yourself grounded with your intentions. Um, and um, don't make yourself wrong for trying something for two weeks and you know maybe your meditation practice falls off. Not a big deal. Just try something else though. Try something else and find something that's going to last. I often will take on all sorts of different tools until I kind of get bored of them or I know that it's worked and now I moved on. I had my affirmations phase. I went through my journaling phase. Now I'm on to... I don't know. I'm on some other phase. So, you know, and it's totally cool. There's all these different tools. Um, definitely the ones that you do stick to the longest are going to make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. So I know for me, my meditation practice is a non-negotiable and that I've been doing every day for three years. I will never, ever miss one of my meditations. I can't even imagine having a day without my meditation. And so, and, and that's what's, what's great about that is that I tried lots of different tools. That's the one that I'm choosing to really dedicate myself to. It's not easy. And when we're digging a well, it doesn't always work to dig 10 feet here, 10 feet there, 10 feet there. You want to dig deep sometimes. That said, when we're going to that values conversation and what's important to you, definitely some sort of self-inquiry, self-reflective practice uh, would be beneficial. That's for sure. I'm not necessarily the expert on that, but that's what has helped me. And I know that's helped with uh, a number of my clients. I like that. And I like that. Um, I think that a lot of people will try and fit into a mold of, I am going to be a meditation person. And then they feel this sense of failure of, I can't meditate. And so I like that you're, you're giving people permission to find what works for you. And whatever is consistent is the one that is winning. Absolutely. It's so funny how, how often I have that conversation around permission for uh, my clients and myself, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even on, on my calls with my coach, half of our calls, I'm just, I get caught in the same traps as everyone else in the entrepreneurial world, co world comparing and, you know, breakdowns and just giving yourself the space and permission that's usually the answer. It's like, oh, yeah, let this unfold the way it unfolds. There's nowhere to get to. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. And I have permission to fail and mess up as many times as I want. And it's totally okay. So let's talk about your coaching clients. Uh, who, who do you usually help coach through things like this? And um, who, who do you focus on just business-wise as an entrepreneur? So I've been focusing primarily on entrepreneurs. Okay. And um, 
really my business has actually taken on kind of two facets. So right now we're on this podcast and with the online marketing world, for people who are entering in that, I'm sure you have an episode, episodes all about that. <laughs> uh, the online w- marketing world is very different from the in-person marketing world, very different channels. When I'm in an in-person marketing world, I'm advertising very different products. When I'm online, I'm very specific about what I do. So online, you're going to see all of my materials are very much focused on conflict, um, communication on a broader spectrum, but definitely conflict specifically with founders and entrepreneurs. However, when I'm in person, when I run workshops, when I have conversations with people, when I'm talking to people in my network that are already there, it's a much broader because I'm a life coach at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in everyone having absolutely incredible lives because that's what I'm interested in for myself. And so there's a much broader conversation about what it is that people are working on. So I do lots of business coaching, uh, just general life coaching, making sure that you know people are balanced in life, but also driving toward their goals. I love high performance coaching. That's like one of my favorite styles of coaching, just keeping people in action and unblocked. Um, so the, the typical clients that I've met are very goal oriented. I work mostly with entrepreneurs. Um, and there's, I would say some people who are not necessarily entrepreneurs, but they're very entrepreneurial minded. So they, they are driven. They have goals that they want to accomplish. They're growth oriented. They're open-minded. Um, and they align closely with my values. And I think that's what has us get along so well. And so has us do great work together. And I know that's what has us enjoy all of our conversations together. I love my clients. I love every single one of them so much. So every time I get on the phone, it's an absolute joy to speak to them. And uh, I know that that's reciprocated as well. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So what, what journey do you usually take along with them in terms of, and I know that, you know, every entrepreneur is different, but do they usually come to you as seasoned entrepreneurs or um, do you focus on, for lack of a better term, like newbies? I know you had said that, you know, they're trying to figure out how to specifically deal with internet marketing and digital marketing. So I would assume that you're probably dealing with people who have been in business for a few years. Is that right? There's been a mix. Okay. And the thing is with my coaching is that, you know, within the coaching space period, I'm not that interested in giving people advice because I don't know what's going to be best for them. Mm -hmm. I I do my own research about digital marketing. If they ask me for my advice, sure, I might give it to them. I'm going to do my best to have them discover the answer for themselves. It's much more powerful to discover something yourself than to be told the answer. Mm-hmm. That said, if if they're feeling stuck and they really want a suggestion, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what my opinion is, but it's just my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has been a, a mix of the two though. There are some people who are, you know, I'm, I'm working with one entrepreneur who is um, a, a massage therapist looking to start up a coaching practice. So there's a, you know, an established entrepreneur looking to add a new element to their business. I work with um, a couple people in real estate. They have established businesses. They've been doing real estate for a while. They're looking for X, Y, Z. They were looking for relationship and communication stuff. Now we're talking about business. We kind of flip from week to week and what they're interested in. So it's really a mix of the two. And it just depends on the timing, the need, and most importantly, the fit. Um, For any of our listeners here that are looking to work with coaches, whether it's a business coach or a life coach, that's what you want to really 
make sure that you're thinking about is if you're going to talk to somebody every week, you got to you just got to love talking to this person. They want you want them to light you up. Um, you want to know that they've got your back. You want there to be just rock solid trust um, because that is how you really get the fruits out of an amazing coaching relationship. So um, that's a little a little pointer for entrepreneurs looking for coaches. I love that. And this question is going to sound like it's just out of nowhere, but it's coming from the joy that I see in your face when you're talking about this. Um, who most fascinates you? Not just your clients, but like what kind of personality type really fascinates you? Hmm. The first thing that comes to mind is someone who thinks very deeply. Hmm. Someone who is very intentional all through their lives. I love thought leaders who are on the frontier of thinking about what's possible in within their field, within their specialty. And I also am fascinated by um, people who are incredibly receptive to uh, countering ideas as well to their own, um, because that is a character that, that is like a sign of humility. And I think that is such a rare, uh, rare trait. Um, so I'd say that's, that's something that who, who interests me. That's and that's a wonderful profile of person. I, also a hard person to come by. So they are a very rare unicorn, but yeah, I agree. They're very fascinating. Um, yeah. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about allyship right now and the conflict of Black Lives Matter and running businesses in this time. Um, you know, for listeners, you and I are white and we have a perspective that is our perspective, but not the perspective of a black person in this world. And so how do you recommend we become conscientious content creators, conscientious entrepreneurs? How do you see us handling this kind of world where we want to be allies, but you know, the MX bill is still due? So I can only talk about my journey again, as a white male, mm -hmm. um, who really like this veil of racism and how I've been contributing to it was lifted literally months, months ago. Mm -hmm. I, I, race was never even a, a, a conversation because, you know, I, 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 I come from Toronto. It's very multicultural city. I have friends of all sorts of creeds and colors. And, you know, I suffered from colorblindness. I, I didn't see the color of their skin, you know, it was just, it was just a thing. And I, it really, I, it didn't even clue in, you know, I have these, um, co-work this co-working group I'm part of and until I started doing this work I literally didn't even realize that one of the people in the group was black like it just it didn't even occur for me that that's something that was there mm -hmm. and, and 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 important to recognize because it is there um so were they the know, only this black all, person in the group um there there there's um two there's one black person and one biracial person and and also just Great. not a consideration of mine. I was just completely blind to it. And now, of course, since this veil has been lifted, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have been colorblind this whole time. Mm -hmm. I've been ignoring the fact that this is a thing, that this racism is a thing. So to answer your question, from my limited, inexperienced perspective, though I have experience in difficult conversations and as an entrepreneur and how to um, finding a balance for myself as well, in terms of practicing actions of allyship and also running my business. It is, it, there's a few things I want to talk about. First off, as entrepreneurs, I'm going to encourage all of our listeners, if you're not 100% sure what this whole issue is about, do the work. Get yourself some reading, 
get a book. I've been working through this wonderful book called Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad. So good. Um, it's so good. Amazing book. Very yeah. easy to read, very informative, gives you these distinctions. And she's just presenting this perspective of, you know, the BIPOC community. This is what they're experiencing. Take it as a perspective. Hold it to be true just for the duration of the 28 days that it's going to take you to move through this book because there's 28 chapters. Um, just hold it like a perspective and see how it reconciles with your truth. So I would say that that's a great place to start because I really truly see entrepreneurs as the leaders of the future. And um, if you're really going to be leading, then you want to be informed and you want to be uh, multifaceted in the perspectives that you hold. So that's the first and most important thing to do. The second thing to do is to give yourself permission to find that balance. We're talking about permission again, right? Listen, I'm not spending all my time taking on the struggle. Yeah, I have a business to run, you know, and find little moments here and there where you can make those concerted efforts. I've had conversations with friends. I've had conversations with family. You know, I'm part of a, a coaching school alumni network. So I message the school because they don't have an anti-racism policy. So I sent them an email. I stirred a whole commotion over there, right? And that didn't take me too long to do. Um, so find your balance and uh, find what's going to work for you. And just make sure, again, you're living in alignment to those values. And I'm willing to bet that one of your top values is, is living with integrity and is having that equality around you. So you're going to see this as an important issue, something that you're going to at least want to talk about and make your stance very clear as well, that you are not okay with racism. You're not even okay with non-racism. You are anti-racist. You are against this racism. And um, you are all about taking down this oppressive system. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to dedicate your life to it, but just small, consistent actions. And continuing that conversation is going to make a big difference. Hey, I can't hear you. Sorry. Um, like that you had mentioned the non-racism angle of it and how insidious that is to so much of our lives. And I, I can see it can be very easy to be, to ignore that and just focus on like, <clears throat> no, this, this white supremacy, that is the bad thing. And then you're not looking at all of the, in, the, the insidious things that are all the details, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, it's a denial of responsibility. Yeah, because this white supremacist system that exists, it's in place. And for any of our listeners who hasn't done this work yet, it sounds like a very scary term, white supremacy. Um, and it's used in the sense of a social, socioeconomic and political system that gives advantage to uh, white people and um, white, like light skin, like white passing people, also known as privilege. Um, and it, it benefits white people as an individual, as individuals and in a collective. It does not necessarily have to do with um, white people thinking that they are dominant and better than other races, although that is, you know, a thought process that could exist, you know, unconsciously um, when you really do the looking. Um, so that kind of thinking, this non-racism thinking is, is totally something that I had. And I collapsed anti-racism with non-racism, and they're very distinct because non-racism is a passive stance on racism, which means that you are okay with the system because you don't want to actually take action against it. It means that you're actually okay with it. You're saying it's not my problem, and you're okay with the way that things are running right now. And um, that is not the same as being against racism. So uncollapsing the two, very important. Yeah. So I want to talk about this tool that you've created, the Tough Talks Made Easy tool. So tell me about the journey with this and what it does. 
So what this tool really is, is I, it, it kind of it came out of this idea that, you know, I know, I know all these things about conflict and sometimes people don't need the whole, you know, multi-session, long-term contract to really transform their communication and conflict skills. Sometimes they just need to have that one really difficult conversation, whether it's they're, they're finally having that conversation with their boss that they're quitting and they're starting their business or whether it's a conversation with um, you know a family member that's long overdue. Whatever conversation they've been avoiding, what they can do is they can book time with me for 45 minutes and we come up with a game plan, a roadmap for how to have that difficult conversation in, in a way that's actually natural for you as well. So I'm not, I'm not putting words in, in place. We're going to find a way for, that works naturally for you to have that conversation. And then you can have that with confidence, with ease, so it can go painlessly and get that peace that you're really looking for in that relationship. So that's kind of the idea behind uh, that tool. It's called Tough Talks Made Easy, and you can get on my website, and Megan here is going to um, throw that up on the um, the show on, on on the show notes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to actually go and read more about it. Um, and I like that you mentioned that um, in a way it's bespoke because going back to be wanting to be a meditation person or wanting to be an affirmation person, not making it work. I like that you also say, you know, we're going to figure out how we can have, how you can have this conversation in the way that works for you, because I can't tell you to go say, F you, I'm out. And yeah. that's not the type of person you are. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. And I know I have my style of communication. I have my way to say things and you can say it like Jonathan, but uh, it's much, it's much, it'll come more naturally, more easily, and it'll just be more effective if it comes from your natural way. And that's something that we make sure. So Jonathan, where else can people find you in the internet space? In the internet space, on the interwebs, mindfulcommunication.me, where you can find that tool. You can also find a free four-part video training series. It's an amazing resource on my website. Um, I also have my own podcast, the Mindful Communication Podcast. And uh, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I post to LinkedIn pretty often. So lots of great communications and tricks there. And those will all go in the show notes too. The more links, the better. Awesome. Thank you. Um, any final thoughts? The one, the one final thought, I'm going to just, I think I'm just going to repeat this point that we brought up because it seems very pertinent is give yourself some space and permission to mess up a bunch. Mm. Okay. That we're all messing up, although social media doesn't show it like that. We're all making mistakes. We're all having blunders. Literally just the other day, completely not present with my wife, said something very insensitive, had to clean up that mess. Just keep practicing. As long as you're committed to making that change, you're taking the time to reflect, um, you're going to get there eventually. Enjoy the journey as much as you can. And, you know, give your, cut yourself some slack when you Fantastic. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. All right. That's it. All good. Was that good for you? The- that was tons, that was tons of fun. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're so you started this podcast, um, and like uh, as a kind of part of your own business. Like, what what's the purpose of this podcast? What's your goal behind it? Your vision? So, stop sucking a business is now going into season three. It was a um, the incredibly abridged story is when I was running that soap and skincare company, um, I wouldn't give up control of anything, and so I burned out. Mostly fear of mm. money or fear of other people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, tale as old as time. And I had um, burned out and I closed it. I walked away. I could have sold it, but it was just, I wanted done. Wow. And so I had to think about, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up now? And I had this blog that I was running called Handmade Brooklyn, which was about, and had started going into my own journey as an entrepreneur and 
I decided I really like doing that. So I'm going to do that for a while. And from there, I started realizing that what I was really passionate about was marketing. And it that's always such a weird thing to say. Like, it's sort of a, can't you be passionate about movies or something? Like, no, I love marketing. I love talking about marketing. Yeah, 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 totally. That's great. And so um, I started looking into, okay, how can I make money doing that? And it became more of a platform. And so Stop Sucking at Business became part of that platform on just finding new ways to help people, whether it was through a blog post or YouTube or podcasts. You know, I I listened to podcasts when I was going to work and I knew other people would too. So I started just spewing whatever I knew through podcasts. And from there, it's become a more of a directive of helping entrepreneurs, but also leading them into a journey of finding their own path through it. And hmm. if, if that comes to me and courses, the courses I offer or coaching that I offer, or if it comes to my guests, you know, it's my goal to have it not as a direct promotional for me, but more as a way for internet people like us to have conversations. Mm, cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. It's, it sounds like the podcast is more of a, a labor of love and passion project. For sure. Anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's more of a, I can't stop talking about marketing. So I'm just going to find as many avenues as I can to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that. That's great. That's well, cool. And, and are you, sorry. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, tell me about your podcast too. Yeah. I mean, I started it as a passion project as well. I just, I wanted to meet people that were communication experts mm -hmm. and um, wanted to establish myself as a communication expert. And um, that's what's happened. Um, I've met so many amazing people who I like know by name now. These people, like I've read their books years ago and like had them on my show and I'm like, oh, I'm like kind of a fan of yours. This is weird. Um, and they're just like this like academic person, but mm -hmm. I'm like gaga over you. them. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how it kind of started. And it's turned into more of a platform. So I share some of my thoughts as well. So my last episode was actually my thoughts on racism. So, you know, I've turned it into that as well. And um, in the long term, what I hope it is, is, yeah, I hope to turn it as like a driver of my business, for mm -hmm. sure, as like one of my marketing channels. But um, yeah, continuing to use it as a platform to explore um, communication and, and connection and how we talk to each other and relate to one another. Um, that's really what interests me in getting like cooler and bigger guests. And um, so I, I see that as a lot of fun. Are you on yeah. podcast.co? <clears throat> Is that how you found Matchmaker? Um, no, I, I found I don't remember how I found Matchmaker. Um, but I found it and um, I've managed to connect with a lot of really cool people. So um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really great. Are you, um, so, so you, um, so your main like gig is doing this blog that you said, right? It, it, my main gig is two blogs. It's this, this platform, the Megan Brame ecosystem. And then it's another ecosystem called the beige house, which is about, um, Honestly, it so we bought it. We moved from Brooklyn to upstate New York, so I know Toronto very well. I'm in Rochester, so oh, okay, yeah, 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 we're pretty close. Yeah. yeah, right across the lake, other side of the lake. Yeah, you know they used to have a ferry that went from Toronto to Rochester. But... Really? Oh, okay, yeah, because it's not that like if you were able to cut across, it would probably be much faster than driving. It ran out of money because I swear this is true. No one would drive would take it back to Rochester. What? <laughs> <laughs> So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, uh, that happened before we got here. And I was just like, ah, that would have been so cool. But um, so we bought a house, we moved upstate and I realized that I'm sure, you know, like home ownership or any kind of ownership is very expensive. And yep. <clears throat> so I started the beige house because companies will give you free stuff for blogs and I needed 
box and I need a tub, blah, blah, blah. And then from there, it catapulted into like this lifestyle ecosystem where I talk a lot about um, manifestation, mindfulness, plants, like just calmer life. And so I have like the life Megan and then the business Megan. And those are the two platforms that support. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's really cool. Are you um, are you working with anyone to have got that started? Or you just kind of got that up on your own? That's all me. That's all. Wow. Big, big WordPress nerd. I was making websites in high school and my first website was a Tori Amos fan page, you know? So it's like, oh my gosh, that's great. Tori (laughs) Amos. Oh yeah. So good. That's funny. Cool. That's great. Well, listen, um, I want to, um, I want to thank you for having me on the podcast. I also don't know if you are necessarily looking to work with anyone right now, but um, I love your energy and I love what you're up to. Um, And if you are looking for um, a coach, like a life coach now or in the future, um, please do keep me in mind because yeah, we could explore that. Thank you. I would love that. And um, I do have some homework for you though. I need those links. um, Links. Yeah. Tough Talks Made Easy. Um, Your podcast linkedin uh if you don't mind i would like a headshot and yeah i'm I'm gonna send you i have one link i can even put it in right now it's just it's my press kit i have a press kit ready that Uh, that makes things pretty easy so let me put that in the chat how do i chat this up if you just reply to the oh here we go meat fox that should work or no oh perfect there you go got it so that's got i think that's got everything you need okay um headshot bio all the social handles and stuff yeah Perfect. And I will, um, like I said, you're going to be the first interview that goes live. Uh, so it season three launches July 9th, and then you will be, I think, July 16th. Uh, what I usually do is I'll cut this into three different audiograms, and I promote those on Instagram right after your podcast episode launches. So we just get more asses in the seats, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And let me know when it's live so I can promote it as well. Absolutely. And I can send you the audiograms too, if you want, you know, whatever you want to help promote it too. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. That sounds super. Um, cool. Well, let's keep in touch also. Um, okay. Is it cool if the easiest way for me is if I could actually add you to my email list, I send out only a monthly email. It's once a month. If you don't like the emails, you can unsubscribe. Um, but that's a great way for us to yeah, stay right connected. Please. Please yeah. do. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right, wonderful. Well, this was fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, take care. Hey guys, Megan here. One thing before you go, I would love to answer your questions on the next Q&A episode. All you have to do is go to meganbream.com slash askmegan and you'll be redirected to a site to leave your questions for me and hopefully get on the next episode. I do them once a month and I am excited to hear your questions and hopefully help you guys out. Again, it's meganbrame.com slash askmegan. I'll talk to you guys soon.